Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest Hello, Edwin. Hello, Andrew. And a happy Monday to you, sir. Yeah, happy Monday to you. Yes. Great kickoff to the week. It certainly is. The week starting June or Monday, June 20th, the year of our Lord, 2022. Yes, sure enough is. Excellent, excellent. And we are looking at Hebrews chapter 8 today. We are. Even if I wrote it incorrectly in the show notes, which does happen at times, <laughs> today is Hebrews chapter 8. Well, very good. We're looking forward to that. In fact, you want me to just go ahead and jump in and kick off with the first two verses here from the English Standard Version? I say let's hit it hard. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. So as we begin Hebrew 8, and some of the reading this week is a little oh, I'm a, a little dense. I thought we're going to take it piece by piece. Sure. But as we have this chapter break, he is referencing, I guess, what he's been leading up to here. And all of this high priest talk in the previous chapter, this is the main point. We have such a high priest. Right? He's been talking about the priest according to the order of Melchizedek. That's right. And that comes from Psalm 110. Okay. In Psalm 110, as he quoted earlier, verse 4, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Okay. And he has, for the last couple of chapters, been bringing up this idea of the kind of priest that Jesus is, yeah. not after the order of Aaron, mm-hmm. not after Levitical system of priesthood, but after the order of Melchizedek. Yeah, and we spent some time talking about the significance of that, of the idea of being a king of Salem or of peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, righteousness mm-hmm. goes along with Melchizedek. With his name, yeah. And absolutely. so here he is, the type or the shadow of the substance that is Christ, the fullness that is Jesus Christ. Do you know who the first person in the Bible, if you started in Genesis 1 and just started reading, do you know who is the first person who is called a priest as you go through the reading? Oh, no. Melchizedek. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I think an argument can be well, made. I guess that makes sense, really. I think an argument can be made as we walk through the sum total of Scripture, as we look at various things that are said, that Adam is pictured as a kind of priest in the sanctuary of God. I think that argument can be made, but he's not called a priest. That word's not used. The, the first one that is specifically called a priest of God is Melchizedek. Now, that doesn't mean that his <laughs> order is supreme just because it was first, but I do think that it is... Fascinating to recognize that what what Psalm 110 does is goes back before the law. When now we we recognized in some previous chapters that Psalm 110 is written after the law, right? Later than the law, right? They're using law not in the sense of the entire Old Testament as sometimes it is, but as re- reference to the Torah, right? And the direction of the law that came through Moses to Israel. So Psalm 110 is written after the law, later than the law, mm-hmm. but it actually goes back to a time before the law was given and says, "Look, there there were priests before there were Aaronic priests." Yeah. Before there were Levites, there were priests. Mm -hmm. And here is the system of priest, and Jesus is going back to that. I think, though, he does talk about that that this is a greater 
um, priesthood. Part of the evidence is Abraham pays his tithes to Melchizedek. The lesser honors the greater. Yes, Melchizedek was certainly more honorable than Abraham, mm-hmm. and so he pays his tithes. He is blessed. The greater blesses the lesser. That's yeah. one of the other arguments that the Hebrew writer makes. So certainly Melchizedek at that time was considered to be greater than Abraham. And then there's that kind of play on words that he uses to talk about even the Levites would have been in the loins or yes. in the seed of Abraham. And Why so did yes after a manner of speaking... Even Levi offered tithes to Melchizedek. I do want to point out that our Hebrew author demonstrates that he is using a figure of speech. He is not establishing a principle that says, oh, now we know everything a person does, those who are his offspring have done that in him as well. I see. It's not, it's not, here's this rule. It's not doctoral thesis. He says, as a manner of speaking, you know, we, Mm -hmm. we could look at it this way and he's pointing out that he's again, not establishing some kind of rule for Bible study or rule for human nature. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I, Look, well, the reason I'm point. pointing that out is because some folks want to go to that passage and say, oh, see, when Adam sinned, we were all yeah. in Adam, and so we all sinned in Adam. It's just not true. Right. And in fact, if that were the rule, mm-hmm. then if my father became a Christian and was a disciple before I was born, then, well, then I've been baptized in my father. Now, nobody says that. And right. So right. It's, it's not even a rule that people apply consistently when they try to make it a rule. But the Hebrews author is not making that a human nature rule. He yeah. has a manner of speaking. Yet Jesus, of course, is also superior Correct. to Abraham. He's actually even superior to Melchizedek. Yes. Because he is the ultimate that Melchizedek was pointing towards. Pointing to he the was, substance is Christ. And Melchizedek was the shadow. So, yes. yeah, I think that's helpful just to kind of bring us up to speed when he says, hey, we have such a high priest. But he's going to go on to teach us and tell us more about this high priest because where's our high priest now? What's he doing now? And he answers that question by going back to Psalm 110. Mm-hmm. In Psalm 110 in verse 1, it says, The Lord Yahweh... Yahweh says to Adonai, Yahweh says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Hebrew author had quoted Psalm 110 and these other places. Now he's just making an allusion. He is alluding to where this began. He says, if Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, well, we know what it says in that psalm about this priest. He is sitting at the right hand of God, and that is where our priest is. He is sitting at the right hand of God. Now that reminds me, I, I love the way the end of the Gospel of Mark uh, at the end of the Gospel of Mark, where we are told, of course, of the Lord's resurrection, and he sends out his apostles to go and preach the gospel. And he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be condemned. But in Mark chapter 16 and verse 19, So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs signs. Amen. Mm. We're told it's recorded there that Jesus has ascended, that he has sat down at the right hand of God. So this is this is a gospel fact, uh, as well as the fulfillment of this prophecy and type uh, about Melchizedek. But this is where Jesus goes. And I see some of the beauty of this in Hebrews 8 is explaining the fullness of that. Okay, so Jesus has gone to heaven, but what's he doing? And there's this expectation that he will return, but he's not 
He's not just sitting on his hands until that time. In Acts chapter 7, corresponding with what you've just given us there at the end of Mark, in Acts yeah. chapter 7, when Stephen has preached his sermon, mm-hmm. and it's cut short because the crowd has decided they're going to kill him, mm-hmm. and they're stoning him, in Acts chapter 7, it says in verse 55, but he, that Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Mm-hmm. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, what's interesting to me about that, I shouldn't say interesting, that's not a very good word, insightful to me. Better word. When we come to Hebrews 8, this is connected to he is high priest. Mm -hmm. In those two narratives, we're told the fact this is where he is, right? Yes. But he's not explicitly called high priest in those passages. No. The Hebrew writer is helping us make these connections and see God's plan through the ages coming to fruition in these, uh, you know, other details. It's all tied together here. What I find insightful in Hebrews 8 is that he points out that when he says this promise made to the Son, mm-hmm. he views Psalm 110 as written to the Son. He pulls out the the promise that you are priest forever according to Melchizedek. He says, now, the rest of the psalm is essentially about the Son also. Mm. So if we go, even, even the parts that he didn't quote. Yeah. So if we go back to Psalm 110, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Mm. This is interesting because it shows, he says, he is at the right hand of God, and also God is at his right hand, is, is what it seems to be saying. So there's this, this reciprocal relationship, and Jesus is not only priest, but mm-hmm. he is the ruler, right. and he is going to rule in the midst of his enemies. Mm-hmm. But his people will offer themselves freely. So there, there are going to be those who align mm-hmm. with this priest king, and there are those who oppose this priest king. And all of this fits in what we're seeing in Hebrews and why our author is writing this entire letter anyway. Well, and as you continued reading there in Psalm 110, the way he rules is a picture of judgment as well. I mean, that's some really tough imagery Oh yeah, about how he's going to exercise rule and judgment against his enemies. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I I guess here in Hebrews, here in Hebrews, he's going to spend more time, uh, I think right now, just emphasizing the the sacrifice and what the high priest has done for a salvation of people. But we must never forget that there is the judgment for those who forsake him or fall away from him. And that is in Hebrews as well. I mean, this, this letter is very much a warning to Christians at a crossroads. Don't draw back. Don't fall away. Don't give up faith. And part of that is a, a, a living God, a fire, and the way that Messiah rules. I believe the reason our Hebrew author has, has accepted Psalm 110 as a psalm written to the Son is this connection about Zion. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. 
Remember Psalm 2, which the Hebrew author has also quoted and attributed to the Son? Because Psalm 2 specifically says it's about the Son. But here's Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Mm -hmm. I will tell of the decree... The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Just recognize the connections and how just a couple of weeks ago we talked about fleeing for refuge to the son. He's saying, blessed are those who take refuge in him. He is my king on Zion that I have established. Here is this high priest Melchizedek who is in Zion, who is going to rule in the midst of his enemies. There's going to be judgment. All of this ties together to tell this original audience, do not leave Jesus. He's the priest. He's the king. He's the son. He's the anointed. You need to kiss him. You need to worship him. You need to submit and surrender and flee to him for refuge. Well, and even as you read that, I made another connection that I missed before, and that is that here is this king enthroned on Zion, Mm. right? That's where the priests worked. That's where the temple stood on Mount Zion, but that wasn't where the throne was. That wasn't the palace in old-time Israel. Now you've got a king and Zion. Now you've got a king up on the temple mount, a priest and a king. And actually, we also hear that while he is on Zion and he is at the right hand of God and he's ruling in the midst, he's not actually on earth. Yeah. Which tells us the Zion, in fact, we're going to find this yeah, we're gonna in find just a couple of chapters, but the Zion here is that spiritual Zion. We're not mm-hmm. looking for a king to reign from Jerusalem on earth. He's already reigning on Mount Zion, mm-hmm. God's holy hill. So much I want to say, but we're already over time, so wrap us up with prayer, brother. Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for this time to open up your word and study it and to appreciate better, trying to appreciate better, our high priest, Jesus Christ. Uh, What an amazing thing it is to see these connections in your word, a a, a scripture in Genesis, a a psalm, and, and Father, how you are tying it all together to show us the greatness of Christ. We pray, Father, that we might live faithfully in light of our high priest, our mediator, Jesus Christ, and for your glory this day. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. 
Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna! Christ is captain of the mighty throne.